0: Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled Encouragement in Persecution, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Before I start, I have two brief announcements. Welcome to our new site on pinecast.com. We greatly hope this serves our followers and new people better. Our deletion cycle will now move to an annual cycle. January of 2021 will begin this cycle. All the podcasts dated in January of 2020 will be the only episodes deleted. Then in February, Only the episodes of February 2020 will be deleted, and so on. Thank you all for making this possible. Thank you all for following us to Pinecast. Another quick news item. We are now found on the social network Diaspora. If you have a Diaspora account, you will now be able to access our public Diaspora messaging. Thank you all. Our growth has made this possible. We hope this helps to serve you better as we move forward in our growth. Thank you all again. May you all be blessed of God. For more on both these comments, listen to our closing comments. God bless you all, and thank you. Last week, we found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 through 28, what verse 23 says. It reads, Now may the God of peace himself make you completely holy, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept entirely blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That blessing upon the Thessalonians made by Paul is, at the very least, an impressive one. What could Paul be saying in or bestowing upon the Thessalonians? How could they, or anyone, be entirely blameless or found that way by Christ at His second coming? All good questions. We sought answers from Scripture last week. This week, we start examining 2 Thessalonians in chapter 1 of this book. Verses 1 through 4 are Paul's salutation and thanksgiving. Verses 5 through 12 are where this study is found. We should first note the reasoning for this second epistle to the Thessalonians. There is little doubt as to the design for which it was written either by a false interpretation of his former epistle or by an epistle forged in his name and sent to them. The opinion had become prevalent in the church at Thessalonica that the Savior was about to appear, and that the end of the world was at hand. See Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. To correct this impression, was the leading design of this epistle. Some had become alarmed and were suffering from unnecessary apprehension, and some, under the natural belief that labor then was useless and that property was of no value, had given up all attention to their worldly concerns. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 10 through 11, and it was of the utmost importance that the error should be corrected. This was done in this second epistle, and in doing it, Paul, as usual, intermingled several other points of importance, adapted to the condition of those to whom he wrote. From Barnes New Testament Notes With that understanding, it is how we should read and study this second book to the Thessalonians. If we do not, we find trouble really quick. We misinterpret scripture in this second book of Thessalonians. We also find much confusion, especially with regard to the second coming of Christ. It will happen, but maybe not in the way we have believed from learning frequently quoted passages from this book in days past this passage of examination in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 reads this is evidence of god's righteous judgment to make you worthy of the kingdom of god for which in fact you are suffering for it is right for god to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to you who are being afflicted, to give rest together with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. With flaming fire he will mete out punishment on those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will undergo the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his strength, when he comes to be glorified among his saints and admired on that day among all who have believed. And you did in fact believe our testimony. And in this regard we pray for you always that our God will make you worthy of his calling and fulfill by his power your every desire for goodness, and every work of faith, that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 5 through 12 Starting in verse 5 of this passage, commentary reads, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. The word, quote, which, end quote, is supplied by our translators, and there may be some doubt to what the apostle has reference as being, quote, a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, end quote. The general sense seems to be, that the fact that they were thus persecuted was an evidence that there would be a future judgment, when the righteous who were persecuted would be rewarded, and the wicked who persecuted them would be punished. Their patience and faith under persecutions were constantly showing that they would quote, be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. For which they were called to suffer. It is evident that a relative must be supplied here, as our translators have done, but there has been a difference of view as to what it refers. Some suppose that it is to patience, others to persecutions and tribulations, and others to the whole sentence preceding. The latter is probably the true construction, and the sense is that the evidence of affliction in a proper manner by the righteous is a proof that there will be a righteous judgment of God in the last day. From Barnes New Testament Notes. We should also take important note of three specific comments in commentary as well, as they are also important. Commentary makes these three points. 1. It is evidence that there will be a future judgment since the righteous here suffer so much and the wicked triumph. 2. These things are now permitted in order that the character may be developed, and that the reason of the sentence in the last day may be seen. And three, the manner in which these afflictions are born. The word born is spelled B-O-R-N-E. So again, the manner in which these afflictions are born is an evidence an indication of what the results of the judgment will be. The word rendered, quote, manifest token, end quote, occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. It means an indication, token, proof, anything that shows or points out how a thing is or is to be. The meaning here is, therefore, that the course of events referred to, the persecutions which they endured, and the manner in which they were born, furnished a proof that there would be a righteous judgment, and also afforded an indication of what the result of that judgment would be. We may, in general, learn What will be the issues of the judgment in the case of an individual from the manner in which he bears trials? From Barnes' New Testament Notes That, all that alone, gives us very much to dig into. Let's start at the beginning. The first commentary passage of examination has three parts to it separated by commas. It reads, the fact that they were thus persuaded was an evidence that there would be a future judgment, comma, when the righteous who were persecuted would be rewarded, comma, and the wicked who persecuted them would be punished. Of the three items of note in this commentary passage, the very first one is chief And foremost to understand. It read, The fact that they were thus persecuted was an evidence that there would be a future judgment. Today, we do not like persecution. Many American churches teach that you must be doing something wrong if you are persecuted. Many American churches teach that there is the fulfillment of many promises, including wealth, position, and stature here, in this life, right now. Yet, with so much scripture to the contrary, and here, commentary as well, to the contrary, one can only conclude that one side is wrong. Which side is wrong? depends on how much suffering you have experienced already, in many cases. That you now are looking to Christ for relief of that suffering when Scripture and Bible helps are, by and large, to the contrary. Not the cheery comment many Americans are looking to Christ for in this life. We can see this plainly right now in today's pandemic situation. While not from God, this pandemic situation was allowed by God to scatter the church and get our attention. In fact, many are coming to church or revisiting church in the hope that God will lift this perceived demonic plague from us. Yet, this is just the kind of thing predicted in end times prophecy for the world before Christ's coming on the clouds. Why would I say that? Knowing end times prophecy and supporting scriptures as I do, the time of larger revivals as we have seen in the past recedes in such times as these. Only minimal revivals, if any, occur from a point in time to when Christ comes on the clouds to take his converted believers home before the tribulation period. Another thing to note, if you look at the war between Gog and Magog, it has to happen before the tribulation period because of the time needed for that war to come to its conclusion then for the seven-year cleanup of it to take place. The tribulation is also seven years. So the timeline here does not work within the seven year tribulation. The reason being, many things happen in that tribulation period also, of which a war of Gog and Magog would significantly complicate, making one or the other virtually, if not totally, impossible. Whether God's true church is here for that war, will require study and proper searching of Scripture, if any answer even exists. It may not, as it is with some other prophecy passages. It is also a question we may not be able to answer properly, given there may only be partial answers. At best, our answers to the surrounding question could be cryptic without diligent study for interpretation. But I digress. Returning to our examination. Let's put the two of three statements separated by a comma together. It now reads, The fact that they were thus persecuted was an evidence that there would be a future judgment, comma, when the righteous who were persecuted would be Rewarded, comma. Notice the addition of reward to the righteous of Christ who, on this earth, in their lifetime, were persecuted. The very thing American churches take issue with and believe they should not have with all the promises in the Bible to be fulfilled for God's people. Here is the question. When will this fulfillment of these promises actually take place? Here in this life? In a lump sum when Jesus comes on the clouds and takes us home? Or over time in our new heavenly life? All good questions that seemingly go away, if we at least assume the answer is they are fulfilled now in this life and we live a life of promise that we could hardly, if at all, even dream of as possible due to its unprecedented goodness of God. If that is true, why are God's people suffering from the illnesses of this world and now the likes of coronavirus? Why do some of them suffer uncorrectable poverty, regardless of how good of God they try to be in living out What they know in Scripture. Even the Israelites, God's chosen people, are suffering this global plague among many other things. They are God's chosen people. What is up with that? It contradicts many American teachings of an almost heaven on earth experience that is largely taught here in America. Elsewhere, I am sure, but I cannot speak to that since I have not traveled there to know for sure. Not the hope and promise message you may have been looking for in this podcast. However, I believe if I told you anything else, I would be lying to you. I will not conscientiously do that, period. Scripture just does not support. This fantastic life in Christ that many American preachers speak of and teach. Yes, just like various work situations, you have those few that do attain what is told. And that is for those particular few for reasons that cannot be explained. I have searched Scripture for several decades. I cannot justify the things I read in my Bible. Compared to what is taught to the contrary by modern American pastors and teachers, the hope of it in tomorrow is there, but I do not see the fulfillment of these promises in this here and now. So, if that is true, why even be a born again Christian? It seems depressing and just compounds the negative issues already present in one's life, whatever those issues may be. In a way I cannot properly describe, I am at real personal peace with things in this world right now. This does not mean in any way that I support and or condone things that are wrong. No, not for even one second. Even if I die, for the first time in my life, I am fine to live or die in Christ. Just how strange is that? To have that kind of peace in this present uncertain world, yet it is there, nonetheless. I can only explain it by the fact I have given my life to God. I do my best to live up to that as well. Now, we will add the third portion of this commentary comment. The fact that they were thus persecuted was an evidence that there would be a future judgment, when the righteous who were persecuted would be rewarded, and the wicked who persecuted them would be punished. Again not a positive, touchy-feely comment for this eternal punishment. People who persecute you for being a Bible-believing, born-again Christian will come to a day and point where God will punish them. Such people that persecuted you will be eternally punished for their acts they inflicted upon God's people who believe. Salvation in Christ, in this here and now, is their only means of forgiveness and salvation. Again, not a positive podcast with regard to outcome, depending on where your belief system is grounded. This is why, if you are not saved in Christ, you need to be saved from this recompense and the tribulation period. Please refer to our podcast titled How to be Saved for more information on being saved. Use that title to search for it or scroll down a lot. Continuing The meaning here is, therefore, that the course of events referred to the persecutions which they endured and the manner in which they were born furnished a proof That there would be a righteous judgment, and also afforded an indication of what the result of that judgment would be. This statement has three aspects to it, and the last one is where we will examine this quote from Barnes' New Testament Notes. It is the persecutions that born again, saved in Christ Christians were. And are presently subjected to, and the manner in which such issues are born that furnish the needed proof that there is a righteous judgment. This is the major sticking point in the minds of many Christians around the world. Many want to see justice by the means of God issuing judgment in this here and now. However, if God does that for us, one of all the rest that never received such a judgment on the bad and evil in their days, can you see the conflict in this subject? There must be one day or one time of judgment by God out of simple fairness to mankind, if not. Would God be considered a righteous God? Next week, we will continue our examination of Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 9 reads, They will undergo the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His strength. Not the rosy mental picture many of us may well be used to hearing. To find out why, play or download next week's episode. Play or download next week's episode titled Encouragement in Persecution, Part 2. Download this episode from one of our podcast hosts or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic, Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled How to be Saved at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is also found at the bottom of any episode description. For more information, check out our mobile, tablet, and desktop-compliant website. It is a subdomain hosted at site123.com. Our site link is unchurched.site123.me. This website is where you will find additional information about us and the podcast platforms we are in syndication with. Find direct links to all our platforms under the podcast menu item on our home webpage. We are pleased to announce our move to Pinecast. It is now our primary host. We have now moved from Podomatic. You can find us on Pinecast at this short link: lowercase i s dot g d forward slash Lowercase T Uppercase S lowercase O uppercase G E lowercase H or link to Pinecast on our website homepage found at unchurched 123me dot me. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast platforms. Please use the search phrase, Church of the Un, insert dash symbol, church. Again, Church of the Un, insert dash symbol, church, to find us on a podcast platform like iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, to name a few. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh East Coast time, USA. Our backup host is www.podcasts.com. That is podcast with an S. Again, our site address is www. Dot podcasts dot com as backup, or go to anchor.fm forward slash unchurched. Now, to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, be glory forever, amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.